0: We're not in the great outdoors. We're thinking about it. Kinder Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home.
1: Hey, welcome and Merry Christmas to you. Christmas weekend at Kinder Outdoors. Welcome to our campfire. Front door to the camp house is brought to you by our friends at Forta Flora, America's number one canine probiotic. Going to Grandma's house for Christmas. Taking Fido with you. Car sickness is no fun for anyone. Fortiflora before and throughout the trip will help ensure a strong GI system in your dog. Fortiflora. Learn more about it when you click on that little box of Fortiflora at kinderoutdoors.com. K-I-N-D-E-R. What's going on with the ice in Minnesota? Usually... Uh, By now, they've been drilling holes in the ice and fishing for weeks, a month maybe. Not so in a lot of places. In fact, I got a note from the Department of Natural Resources in Minnesota this past week that says even some of the early ice has melted back. So when will we know it's safe to get out on that ice? We're going to talk to the Hall of Famer himself, Woody Woods, up on Rainy Lake, Minnesota. I'm not sure he wasn't born out on that ice. He spent his entire life drilling holes in the ice up in Minnesota. We're going to ask him about safe ice on the show today. Also, Joel Colander's coming back. I've asked him to come back and let us know how that inaugural Texas auction went at that brand new Rock Island auction facility in Bedford, Texas. Was it a success? How much money did they raise at auction? over three days. We'll find out. And Larry Wysoon, Mr. Whitetail, he's going to tell us why it's important that we all learn how to shoot left-handed and right-handed as hunters. I'm sure glad you're here. It's Christmas weekend. No snow on the ground. It's really beautiful weather. Getting some good, much needed rain over the past few days. Santa Claus may have to use the windshield wipers in a few spots, but he'll get here, I'm sure. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and make yourself at home. You're in camp with us at Kinder Outdoors. John Braley, Draper, Virginia. He shot his first deer the other day, and it's a big deal in a lot of ways. His first deer came at 40 years old. He had done some hunting, but it had been more than 20 years ago, and then a buddy of his talked him into it let's go hunting and he took the deer of a lifetime. I want you to see the picture at kinderoutdoors.com. This deer a beautiful big racked eight point deer huge animal was leucistic not a piebald not an albino. This deer is more rare than both of those. In fact John's taxidermist, who has over 45 years of experience, says, hey, this is the first one like this that I've ever seen. Justin Foulkes is a deer project leader in Virginia. He confirmed the uniqueness of Braley's harvest. He said the deer appears to be leucistic. Leucism is a genetic condition that causes animals to lose some or all of the pigmentation in their hair, and there can be a wide range of coat variations from partly white or gray almost entirely white typically deer like this don't make it to adulthood typically they're more visible to predators including hunters and they also may have genetic abnormalities that affect the skeleton or internal organs and can lead to an early death but this one made it through the gauntlet until a man who hasn't hunted in more than two decades took to the field and took his first deer John Braley, Draper, Virginia, congratulations, beautiful animal, and a great story to tell the grandkids. If you hunt elk and you try to pattern elk, you ought to go watch this video. Elk and deer, just like the fish, are going to follow the food. And we've got a video from Idaho Fish and Game at KinderOutdoors.com that you ought to watch. It'll take just a few minutes to see wildlife nutrition biologist Deborah Monzingo talking about the importance of elk nutrition and the role it plays in popular management. Short video at KinderOutdoors.com. Go check it out. The Trophy Catch Program, 11th season of that Trophy Catch Program in Florida, has come to a close. Another successful year and they wrapped it up with two major events awarding anglers with great prizes including a brand new bass boat and boy this was a this was a good deal the trophy catch team awarded one lucky winner a phoenix bass boat at the Bobby Lane High School Cup fishing tournament on December 2nd they do this every year five finalists randomly selected from trophy catch registrants Are you listening? You don't have to catch a big fish to get entered in the drawing for the boat every year. You just have to register for the Trophy Catch program. It's free, and you can do that online. Five finalists randomly selected, participated in a reverse drawing, and the last man standing was youth angler Curtis Collins. Chad Dorland was crowned as Hall of Fame champion for the year, the heaviest approved catch of the season, a 14 pound, one ounce bass from Orange Lake. By the way, Trophy Catch is a catch and release program and all of these celebrated fish are still swimming in Florida's waters and waiting for you. Calming Care is a product designed for the overactive dog, the overbarker, the overjumper. It's not a drug. It's very natural and it works gently over time to settle that overactive dog. Pick up a box of calming care from the trusted name Purina. This is Jimmy Houston, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm sure thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. (laughs) I'm Corey Mason, CEO for DSC. Join us at the K. Bailey Hutchison Convention Center in Dallas this January for the finest hunting opportunities and gear, one of a kind art, jewelry, clothing, and much more. Your ticket to this fabulous event will further the mission of conservation, education, and advocacy initiatives right here and around the world. Visit us online at biggame.org and purchase your tickets. The DSC Convention and Sporting Expo is January 11th through the 14th in Dallas. I'll see you there. Santa reminds you to obey the no hunting signs around the North Pole. He loves to hunt, but needs his transportation. (laughs) If you've decided that you need a new deer rifle, come see us at Marksman Firearms and Outfitters in Mansfield, Granbury, Killeen, and Wichita Falls. We have all of the most popular calibers, optics, accessories, and ammo for your big game hunting needs. Our staff is knowledgeable and eager to help you. Same as cash layaway, too. Santa knows. Marksmanfirearms.com.
2: Hi, I'm Jim Shockey, and it's time once again to invite you to our annual Jim Shockey Classic two day charity event where we all get together to celebrate and honor those who have served and sacrificed. All of us deeply admire the invaluable sacrifices made by our military personnel. 100% of the proceeds fund all expense-paid shocky tribute hunts through the Freedom Hunters Military Outreach Program. In addition to the golf tournament, there will be a sporting clay tournament on Sunday morning before the banquet. So join me April 14th and 15th 2024 at the award-winning Barnsley Resort in Eatersville, Georgia, nestled in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. Visit jimshockeyclassic.com to sponsor, to register, or to donate, and also to learn more about our great event. I really hope to see you there.
1: Ag Texas. The name itself says trust, honesty, strength, And tradition. Ag Texas has from the get go been dedicated to the prosperity of agriculture and rural America. The Ag Texas family can help grow your herd or your operation. Give us a call and talk to Ag Texas pros about risk management in the form of crop insurance, protecting borrowed capital and savings. We specialize in everything from dairy cows to pecan trees. And have the right financial tools and knowledge at Ag Texas to help you grow and grow safely. We can't tell you when it's going to rain again, but we can assure that your crop, your cows, your family, and the family land are secure and protected no matter the storm or the dry spell. We are Agriculture at Ag Texas, and we look forward to visiting with you. Ag Texas is at agtexas.com.
3: Also, don't forget Mr. Crappie Slow Troll and Double Drop Crappie Rigs. Pre-tied with number two hooks, double swivel weights, and eight-pound line. Tie one on today. Look us up at (laughs) bulletweights.com.
0: Outdoorsmen and women. Hunters, shooters, and fishers are the reason that wild creatures roam bountifully in wild places. This is where we come together to talk about it. Kinder Outdoors.
1: Glad you're here spending a little time around our campfire at Kinder Outdoors this weekend. Hey, uh, coming up shortly, we're going to go to Minnesota, talk to the Hall of Famer Woody Woods about the ice conditions up there. Uh, It's been a little slow to ice up in Minnesota don't want to get out on that stuff too early we're going to learn how to safely uh, get out on the ice with woody a little later on plus mr whitetail larry wysoon says we need to learn to shoot both left and right-handed why that's coming up in a few minutes right now though joel colander rock island auction i can't go two weeks without talking to you welcome back
4: (laughs) thank you sir welcome back and, and good to see you this past weekend
1: Yes, sir. We had a great time together, and uh, I had my own personal tour guide uh, for the very first ever mega auction uh, for the brand-new Bedford store for Rock Island Auction Company. Hey, congratulations. Hats off. Beautiful venue, incredible guns in this first uh, auction, and it turned out to be a heck of a weekend,
5: too.
4: It did. So we had... um... It, the grant the grand total for the weekend was 26.7 million. Um, can't thank everybody in us who, who who come and made us feel welcome there in Bedford. Just a a fantastic event. We had you know a lot of familiar places, but plenty of new clients as well. Um, it was just it was just a, a wonderful, exciting time uh, that I think a lot of collectors are going to remember for for many years to come.
1: You know, when people hear 26 million over three days of auction, they go, wow, that's, that's gotta be a world record. Well, that's not a world record. Uh, you guys sold some very, very rare stuff and some hard to come by, one of a kind, uh, stuff as well as, uh, stuff that we all use as hunters, outdoorsmen, and for home protection every Mm -hmm. single day. A variety of things. So did the 26 million figure, did that meet expectations?
4: I think so. So it's hard to say from our previous auctions, you know, our record for, for a single auction is 30 million. That was assisted somewhat by uh, like a single multi-million dollar item. Uh, this auction not only had fewer items, but we didn't have items that were expected to go over a million dollars. So we got to 26.7, but we did it the hard way, um, with fewer items of uh, kind of greater quality and no just single you know, rock star in the sale. That's you know, that's going to be uh, seven figures. So it's twenty six, seven million. But it's it's a darn good figure. We're we're very happy with that.
1: You bet. Let's talk about a couple of the stars of the show. Uh, what brought the big money and uh, and what kind of money did they bring?
4: Sure. Well, no surprise there. We had a Winchester seventy three one to one thousand. You know, one of those holy grails of collecting, and this is probably one of the top top three that we've ever seen like it's just it is in that good condition um it is a great story behind it too sold for 500 just about $529,000 oh, wow and that's
1: 1873 folks like Jimmy Stewart in the movie remember that <laughs> wow uh, any idea where where that gun is going or you know is that, I guess a private collection or something
4: i would assume so no my hope is so this this was a gun that was ordered uh, – there's a man named Granville Stewart in Montana. He's known as Mr. Montana for his role in helping establish the state when it was just territory. He ordered two guns, one for himself, one for his brother. This one was his brother's. We sold his, I believe, a year and a half ago. Um, so secretly, I hope that Granville Stewart and Thomas Stewart's Winchester 101,000s are together somewhere. I just have no way to confirm it.
1: Yeah. Wow. Hey, uh, if you had to just take a wild guess, what do you think Mr. Stewart paid for those guns new back in the late 1800s? Uh,
4: so he ordered them once, and he wasn't happy with them. He sent them back to Winchester because he's like, you did not follow my instructions, so here you go. And he got the second ones back, and he was, he was thrilled with them. Um, I believe a 101,000, so a typical wannabe gun. $60, bucks, depending on the level of the trim, et cetera, that you can get with it, between between 80 and and $100 a piece.
1: <laughs> I'll take a truckload at that price. That would be great. Yes,
5: yes,
1: okay, sir. Winchester 73. Any others that really uh, shine?
4: So uh, we have Colt Walker, of course, and, you know, another piece of firearms collecting royalty. This was C Company number 12. Uh, C Companies are the most desirable because that was Walker's own company. Uh, number twelve, of course, C Company shipped first out of the Colt. So this is one of the first Colts ever shipped under the name of Colt ever, ever. Um, and frankly, it was it was for a Walker. So you know it saw combat, and for a Walker, it was in just outstanding condition. That brought four hundred and seventy thousand dollars that weekend.
1: Wow, just wild. <laughs> it's it's just a whole different world from the the layman. You know, I bought a box of bullets yesterday at Bass Pro Shop, and I and I looked around behind the counter there, always peruse it and see what's going on back there. Always. Different world. You deal in a different world, Joel. Uh, hey, before I let you go, um, tell me about the Texas, uh, the historic Texas stuff. We had some Ranger pistols, guns in there. Uh, did they do well?
4: Yeah, and um, let's see, the Frank Hamer, his first revolver bought a great price, some of the the lesser known that uh, also exceeded expectations. We had, we had a couple guns from uh, Solo Lobo. Uh, he, his guns brought you know exceeded their high estimate by quite a good deal. All the items that we had from the sheriff of Henderson County, Jeff Sweeten, those did extremely well. So uh, Texas collectors showed up and, and made sure they brought some of their own history home to their safes.
1: There you go. Very good. Well, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait until the next big one. Uh, here in Texas, any idea when that'll be?
4: Yes, sir. You know, we have a couple little um, online ones before that, but the next time I'll be able to see you, February 16th through 18th, right there in Bedford.
1: Right around the corner. Hey, have a Merry Christmas, a wonderful New Year. Look forward to seeing you uh, at that brand new, sparkling, shining new Rock Island Auction Company, Bedford, Texas.
4: We'll see you in February. Merry Christmas.
1: Yes, sir. Merry Christmas. This corner of the camp house brought to you by Flora, America's number one canine probiotic, my buddy. Pete Delkus joins me now, my old hunting buddy. Pete, thinking back to your childhood, was there ever a special hunting or fishing item that you received under the Christmas tree that really sticks out? I do remember
6: one of my fondest Christmas gifts that I got. It was my uh, Daisy Red Ryder BB gun. Oh, yeah. I, I'm serious. And I, I remember getting that, and I could not wait to go outside and, yeah. and shoot that thing. I got the whole, you know, all those little, uh, what was that, That's the Daisy uh, BBs, you know, in the yeah. yellow box, you oh, know, yeah. and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I vividly remember getting the Daisy Red Ryder BB gun.
1: Yeah. You know, I remember I used to uh, save my money for my BB gun, and I'd go buy the little tube of BBs. Right. Remember, you could get right. the little tube. but then in for Christmas one year, someone gave me the big milk carton box.
6: Remember that? And you were just, it was, it was big time right there. A thousand rounds, yep. man. I tell you, my fondest memory with that Daisy Red rider BB gun, I'll never forget the day. I'm the oldest of three boys. And I'll never forget the day that uh, I had my, my middle brother and I, Randy. We, he got a Daisy Red Rider BB gun next Christmas, okay? Because he was of the age where he was, he was old enough to... Learn how to use that thing properly. We took our youngest brother Jamie out in the backyard. Remember Sears Tough Skins, the oh, jeans? Yeah. Yeah. And this is, we had w- worn those Red Riders out. We had Jamie in the backyard running through the backyard with those <laughs> Sears Tough Tough skin's on. And we were shooting him.
5: Yeah.
6: I'm not making that oh, up. No, no.
1: It happened in Mineral Wells, Texas. Yeah.
6: Well, the fun ended when we broke skin. Yeah. And that's when
1: Dad came out. And I think he broke that Daisy Red Rider yeah. over, over my.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm looking down. It. Have you ever been out hunting on Christmas? Some of my favorite memories are actually hunting on Christmas Day. Have you ever then out away and and in the middle of nowhere maybe in a good snowy spot at Christmas time?
6: Well, you know, growing up in the Midwest, in the St. Louis area, I remember Christmas uh, going on like afternoon and evening. It was never Christmas morning. As a kid, it was always Christmas afternoon. We'd go out, you know, late afternoon for ducks or geese. And I remember that. And of course, there were plenty of those that in my mind were were snowy and uh, certainly cold and successful even in some of them. So, and then, I tell you what I also remember on Christmas was going out with my dad and uh, I, I remember rabbit hunting and the occasional what I always loved wasn't so much the rabbits but the occasional covey of just a couple quail yeah. that you'd find in southern Illinois right. and I, I vividly remember that too so some some very good Christmas memories.
1: You know what it's a really good thing that you remember those quails because that is a, <laughs> that that's a time stamp on American history there, there are none there now oh. and may never be again. In beautiful Oakawville, Illinois. Weatherford Truck Equipment has been supplying premium truck accessories and equipment since 1997. Chip Knees and the crew at Weatherford Truck Equipment are pros that can totally equip your farm, work, or town truck to totally suit your needs. Flat beds, grill guards, bumpers, bed covers, toolboxes hitches, running boards, or any custom fabrication that you can scheme up for your truck. Weatherford Truck Equipment is located at 2620 Ranger Highway in Weatherford, Texas, just 20 minutes west of Fort Worth. Visit online at weatherfordtruck.com and take a look at the exceptional quality in our truck accessories and customized metal fabrication. Ranch truck, service truck, special purpose truck, it's all at Weatherford Truck Equipment. Contact Chip and set up an appointment to talk over your truck accessory or custom fabrication needs. Weatherford Truck Equipment, 2620 Ranger Highway in Weatherford. Get off the beach and into the action. Enjoy world-class Costa Rican sport fishing with Sea Sport Fishing. Marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and more. Inshore, offshore, overnight, seamounts. Sea Sport Fishing will work with your group to customize the perfect trip. Half day, full day, every day. Your next getaway is the best ever. Take a look at catchafishingcostarica.com. Catch a fish in Costa Rica. Com. Ken Kirkaby needs to be in your deer blind, camp house, or favorite fireside chair. An outdoor author that understands and lives the outdoors. In Red Stick One, Florida game warden Virgil Clary takes off his badge to track down a killer in the wilderness. Christopher Camuto of Gray's Sporting Journal calls Red Stick One a tightly written novel of pursuit and redemption. A pleasure to read. Ken Kirkaby's books are gritty, realistic, and action-packed. The Tournament, Red Stick 1 and Red Stick 2. All available on Amazon. Once upon a time, long, long ago, elk roamed bountifully across most of North America. Their bugle cut the early morning fog in the hills of Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, coast to coast. And then, they were gone. But in 1984... The Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation was born, and since then, a quarter of a million people have joined the elk effort. Nearly nine and a half million acres have been preserved, or access opened up to the public. There are more than 500 RMEF chapters, and the way we go about our business makes us one of the most efficient and effective conservation organizations in the U.S. The Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation plays a leading role in restoring elk to their historic habitat today make a difference in the world make an impact learn how at rmef.org after spending a few days at joshua creek ranch i describe it as a sportsman's nirvana we love creating a unique experience for each of our guests you know the interests can vary here from wing shooting to deer hunting to fly fishing to river kayaking so we have a great variety of guests and um We like for them to enjoy everything we have to offer. As I enjoyed the birth of a new day over the rolling hill country ranch that is Joshua Creek, I was amazed at the wildlife, quail, pheasants, native white-tailed deer, trophy-class axis deer.
7: We've worked hard on the habitat, planted improved grasses, really with the help of some
8: wildlife biologists studied what would make the best habitat to keep our game here. Mm -hmm.
9: We can hunt easily six seven eight groups and we don't try to do it on 40 acres i mean these people get to walk they get to see some country joe and ann kirchival
1: invite you to enjoy this free range ranch just northwest of san antonio
9: visit
10: joshuacreek.com for the land of the free and the home of the brave from high school gyms to towering stadiums every time i see our flag wave i feel a humbling reminder of the brave who keep and have kept us free I stand to honor the sacrifices of the generations before me. Heroes who charged in the battle through bombs and bullets, who lost their brothers and still pushed through, fighting for every inch of our freedom. I stand for my brothers who can't stand anymore. Men who hunted terrorists to the ends of the earth, who sacrificed their bodies and their lives so that we could peacefully live ours. I stand for the children, the spouses, and parents whose family made the ultimate sacrifice for us. We are all standing. We're the National Rifle Association of America, and we are freedom's safest place.
0: Outdoorsmen and women, hunters, shooters, and fishers are the reason that wild creatures roam bountifully in wild places. This is where we come together
1: to talk about it. Kinder Outdoors. Gift yourself and your family with a trip to Joshua Creek Ranch in 2024. Slide that reservation under the Christmas tree and all of the family will be elated. You're going to eat good, sleep good, stay good, hunt good you're going to have a blast with my friends Joe and Ann Kirchival and their five-star, well-appointed Joshua Creek Ranch. Learn more at KinderOutdoors.com. Larry, why soon Mr. Whitetail is here. (coughs) Larry, I've got a letter from Dr. John Bafke in Minnesota. He says, ask Larry about this. I saw him on television with a gun mounted for a right-hand shot, but a closer view showed that his right eye was closed, making him left eye dominant with a right-handed stance. Larry, did you follow? Did you follow all that?
9: I did. I, I did. You know, it's a very interesting thing. I, I shoot left-handed, right-handed. I'm right eye dominant, but when I shoot a pistol, I always use my left eye. I learned a long time ago that with with bringing the pistol up, trying to look for the sights, and a lot of times I shoot in the scope. What I was doing, if I was shooting with my right eye as a dominant eye, I was continually searching. And one day, I just happened to put my chin against my shoulder. Yep and closed both eyes and opened my left eye, and guess what? My left eye was lined up perfectly with the sights on that pistol and with the scope on that pistol. So, ever since then, I've been shooting that way to where I am shooting with my left eye whenever I shoot a pistol. It just, if you ever try it, just grab a pistol. Don't shoot with your arm straight out because you always want your elbows bent a little bit, particularly on a hunting pistol because of the recoil. But if you'll do that and then take the point of your chin and put it right up against where your biceps come in to your shoulder, put it down, put your head kind of pointed down toward the ground a little bit close both eyes, and then open your left eye. Now, if you're you're left eye dominant and you're shooting, just do the opposite. Just do the same thing, but then open the right eye. And almost every time when you do that, your eye is going to be lined up perfectly with that scope or with that set of sights. Now, if you're doing uh, personal defense, you want both eyes open, obviously. But from a hunting situation, it's amazing. It also helps to give a little bit more support, uh, another rest, so you take another variable out of making that shot
1: tell you what, I have never, I don't know how many shots I've watched you take and I have never picked up on that. Dr. Bathke, you were right on the money there. I i, I had a question about uh, whether he had this right or not when he sent it in, but he was right on the money. I've heard you say in our conversation, you were saying uh, that you are right eye dominant until you close your right eye and
9: then your left eye dominant. That's exactly right. I've had so many questions. aren't you right eye dominant? I said, absolutely. But when my right eye is closed no, open my left eye, my left eye is dominant. So... <laughs> and, and you've learned,
1: you've taught yourself to shoot with either hand a uh, rifle correct
9: I, I did when i was a youngster growing up in colorado county i was sitting on a deer stand using my dad's thirty thirty model 94 and a deer came into my right side and i came as far around to the right as i could and i couldn't get on the deer and it was simply because i couldn't come far enough around to the right against that tree that I was sitting against so immediately when the hunt was over I went back to the house got my 22 single shot and I taught myself how to shoot left handed and so as a result of that I could swing all the way around to that right side and if it had been the other way I'd just swung around to the right you know, to the left side so I, I generally encourage people to try to learn to shoot both left and right handed because there are situations that you get into where you're not going to be able to come around far enough to the right if you're right handed or far enough to the left if you're left handed so if you've got that opportunity and again it's the same Way, if you got a right eye dominance, you know it's. and, And I'm not telling you shoot with both eyes, you know, one eye closed. But if you do, if you close that right eye. It's amazing how well you can see out of that left eye.
1: <laughs> you know, that's something else. And when you go to the range and you've uh, got your rifle sighted in for deer season or whatever, you've still got that box of cartridges sitting there, take a few shots with the opposite eye. That only makes sense because we get pinned, especially, uh, you know, when we're not in a blind or not concealed and can't move around. That come in real handy like it did for you.
9: It, it does. The only thing I would recommend, you know, these days we sit here so much about long-range shooting. And uh, it's, to me, I'm not a big proponent of those. Long range shots. I teach myself how to do it, but one of the things that we did learn, and this was uh, I spent a lot of time on the FTW ranch, and, and I missed a shot in Kurdistan if they haven't watched my show shooting left handed at a, at a uh, because the only way that I could shoot it in Ibex was a little about 800 yards away. And I was lamenting this fact one night sitting around campfire with the Navy SEALs, and they said, You shot over him, didn't you? And I go, Absolutely. And they said, Any time you switch on those long range shots, from left to right compared to what you normally do, there's a tendency for you to always shoot a little bit high. So, you know, you might, if you're getting the long-range shooting and you get in one of those situations, you might want to go out to the range and practice those long-range shots from the left and right and see if there's any difference as far as you're concerned by if you're right-handed and then switch left, shooting high, or vice versa.
1: You think we ought to believe what those seals have to say? You think they know something about that
9: long-range shot, Larry? I'll tell you what. I I have the opportunity to spend a little time with those guys. Yes, we need to believe everything that they tell you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Larry Wysoon, Mr. Whitetail, our big game guy at Kinder Outdoors. Merry Christmas, Larry. Look for him up and down the aisles of the Dallas Safari Club Convention and Expo. He's generally all over the place, and I'm sure he's planning to, uh, repeat that once again this coming January. You'll also see more of my friends there. Buffalo Wool Company uh, is going to be there. They'll have a booth. Get over there and grab yourself some of that buffalo wool. It is essential to my cold weather hunting. And these guys, Joshua Creek Ranch, will be there. They'll be in the wing shooters world. Booth number 1065. Joshua Creek Ranch, booth number 1065. Stop by there and ask them, ask Kevin Wellborn will be there. Ask him about those high volume European style driven pheasant hunts uh, where you'll see a thousand plus pheasants in a day. <laughs> One of my favorite Christmas stories is a memory that our old camp house storyteller Ray Sasser told me once.
7: Everybody can remember this date because it was Y2K and we I think we left home right after Christmas and we went down to we went down to South Texas and hung out with with my good friend Fred Bryant down there at Caesar Clayberg Institute. And he yeah. took us down to this wonderful hunting ranch in South Texas and where the, where Emily first saw a bird dog, point quail, and uh, uh, of course she had, she was just starting to shoot a shotgun and we tried to get her, you know, and yeah. boy, those quail were flying pretty fast. A dog. I'll never forget that we, we were sitting around eating lunch and people kept talking about this buzz going on. That uh, that the the Mexican uh, army was staging on the other side of the Rio Grande to to invade Texas on huh. New, on New huh. Year's Day, and I, I I thought you know I'm pretty sure our government would know that if it was really going on. <laughs> right. I, mean, I mean we're not you know we're not all the best on on some of that stuff, but I think we'd figure <laughs> that one out. Yeah. Well, so we left so we left there we left that South Texas hunt, and then we went to my friend Bill Carter's ranch at in Kerr County was just a be- beautiful, just a beautiful place. Yeah. And we were the only ones on the on a three thousand acre ranch and you know, with a half fence all around us and we were gonna be there for, for New Year's Day for basically for Y two K. And as we were as we were driving into the ranch the ranch we met the ranch manager on his way home, you know, he was he was leaving for the holidays and he wouldn't he wasn't even coming back to the ranch. And he said he "said I just wanted y'all to know that there's this rumor going out it, apparently there's lots of rumors that year. Yeah. He said, I just wanted y'all to know that there's a rumor going around that the skinheads are coming to Kerrville and they're gonna blow up the water treatment plant the water plant Walmart and then they're going to commit suicide at Stonehenge. And the, stone, the, the Stonehenge replica <laughs> was where you turned off to go to the ranch. And I'm thinking, okay, well, how does that, how, how does that impact us, you right. know? <laughs> so anyway, the, the bottom line is we spent the next several days uh, in, a, in a wonderful place, uh, hunting the way people used to do. And I, I remember the whole buzz about Y2K was that the computers were going to fail, when it turned over to, yeah. you know, because they couldn't do that, everything's going to shut down. And I'm thinking, man, I hope everything shuts down because because nice. then I'll just be stuck in this beautiful place for until somebody comes to kick <laughs> until somebody comes to kick me out. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. We had a great time anyway.
1: I was in the same boat. Robin and Troy and I were out in at at, uh, at our place near uh, Lubbock. The three of us hunting, and I thought, man, I hope everything shuts down because I just won't—I'll save the gas money home.
7: But just save the gas money home. Here
1: we are, Ray, right, back at work. Back at work, exactly. The great Ray Sasser, our old camphouse storyteller, outdoor editor for the Dallas Morning News for three decades, author, photographer. His stuff still floating around out there. Go grab a copy uh, for your evening fireside reading. Let's go grab a fresh cup of coffee and a hot sausage and biscuit. I smell them. (laughs) And then we're headed for Minnesota with the Hall of Famer Woody
5: Woods.
1: (laughs) There's no reason to be miserably cold while you hunt or fish. Still hunting, snow hunting, ice fishing, or just going to the ball game. Stay warm
4: with buffalo wool products. You know, I I would have had no idea that bison had such a usable fiber, but the more you, you get into it, the more you play with it and learn and see what it does, you realize why these animals are so well protected in the environments that they are. They will grow this fiber as needed to protect that heart, lungs, area, keep their core insulated, whether it's from the heat or the cold.
1: I've depended on buffalo wool to keep me warm in bitter conditions for over a decade now.
4: Part of the reason that we love you so much is because of The fact that you actually went out, tried it, tested it before we even discussed anything about working with you. So that's sort of what we want. We just want to make sure people are comfortable. Not everybody needs us. Not everybody is out stand hunting at, you know, 30 degrees, or not everybody has circulatory issues. But for those that do, we want to make it available. We want to make it as durable as possible, and we want to make it work. We want people happy, warm, and comfortable. That's it. TheBuffaloWoolCo.com
1: Freedom hunters. They say thank you to our very bravest and finest in a very special way. Uh, we're a 501c3 military outreach program. We take servicemen and their families out on outdoor ventures, mainly hunting, fishing, shooting trips all around the country and internationally too. These trips are more than a thank you and a good time; far more. It invigorates them. The healing comes out of it. You know, it's 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 amazing. I started it just as a thank you, as a give back. I had no idea the therapeutic value of these hunts. I mean, it, it just it changes them. You can see it in their eyes. When they show up at camp, they're quiet and, and reserved. By the end of, end of camp, they're opened up and uh, you know chatting with other veterans. It's amazing. You can go on our website. We've got a donation button. Or just email us and say, hey, here's the opportunity. We'll fit a vet into that opportunity, whatever it is. Freedomhunters.org. The Wild Sheep Foundation. Our purpose sounds simple, to put and keep wild sheep on the mountain. But from where we stand to the top of the mountain is a challenging and exciting journey. To be successful, we support the top scientific minds in wildlife research. We tell the story and history of the wild sheep in North America to those around us, like you. And step by step, we protect and grow wild sheep populations. If not for the Wild Sheep Foundation, more than $115 million in care, concern, and conservation work would not have happened over the past 40 years. Important work that has seen our wild sheep populations grow from 25,000 or so in the 1950s to more than 85,000 today. Learn more about the worldwide leader in wild sheep conservation. Secure a membership. Attend a banquet. Bid on an auction item make an impact on top of the mountain, wildsheepfoundation.org.
0: Welcome to Kinder Outdoors. Ah, that's what a dove looks like from behind.
1: Rain on the roof of the old cabin over the past few days has had Bobby the cat, Bobby the barn cat, staring through the screen door wanting in the house. No, sir, go catch a rat. He does a good job. We haven't seen a snake around this place or even a little field mouse. He's constantly on patrol, does a fantastic job. Joshua Creek Ranch brings us this corner of the camp house at Kinder Outdoors. When you pull through the gate and across that crystal clear Joshua Creek, you know you've reached something special. The tree-lined creek with ancient cypress trees and hill country live oaks causes instant relaxation and anticipation of tomorrow morning's hunt. Hard-flying birds, the best bird hunting in Texas, is at Joshua Creek Ranch, Bernie, Texas. Woody Woods is a fishing hall of famer. He is in the freshwater fishing hall of fame and i want to talk to him not about fishing but about ice safety if you want to know how to stay on top of the ice and not underneath it you go talk to a hall of famer my good friend woody woods from rainy lake minnesota how you doing woody i'm doing great big billy good to hear (laughs) you tell me about minnesota what's going on are you guys all ice up there yet
11: well you know we got we got ice in a lot of the shallow bays. Uh, the shallower water, the deeper water is still giving out some heat. I mean, it has been an unusual year with the El Nino, so some of the deeper waters not froze over yet. Uh, but uh, you know, it's coming. It's just slow this year, and it's gonna it's gonna get here. You
1: told me before that you, there have been years where by Thanksgiving you guys are
11: out walking on ice. Oh yeah, and that used to be more. Uh, that's you know, that's the way it was normally and is normally. Uh, but this year is just unusual. I mean, we're already halfway through December, just about. And, uh, yeah, you can walk out right now in some of the shallow bays, and there are some people doing that. You can walk out and fish because there's still weeds growing in uh, uh, some of those shallow bays. Uh, and pretty soon they'll be dead, though, but as the oxygen leaves from those weeds, then the fish move out into the deeper water.
1: Gotcha, yep. Hey, I have purposely never come up there to fish with you this time of year, because you once told me that you test the ice by sending the fat guy out first, and I don't want to be that guy. So well, I stay here. <laughs> I stay in Texas until you guys have two or three foot of ice up
11: there. A, you know, years ago, that's what I'd always tell people, you know, the golden rule ice fishing, send the fat guy first. But now I'm the fat guy, so I have to, I have to come up with something different.
1: Yeah, something different <laughs> send the dumb guy
11: out there. No, wait a
1: minute. I, I fit that category, too. I, I still can't come.
5: Send the so best swimmer. Tell,
1: <laughs> tell me about ice thickness. When can you trust it with your feet? When can you trust it with your snowmobile? When can you trust it with your
11: truck? Sure. Well, you know, what, what I what I would normally do when I was uh, a go-getter, <laughs> I, first thing i do is walk out there with an axe or an ice chisel. And I'd, I'd, I'd uh, you know, try to – Try to bust through a little bit as I walk, but the DNR, the Minnesota DNR, of course, you know we've got. Well, they say it's the land of ten thousand lakes, but there's probably more like twelve or thirteen thousand. Uh, uh, the DNR to cover their butt, more or less, always says the ice is never a hundred percent safe. So that's their stance because there's no way they can. There's no way they can uh, put a sign on every lake, on every access, et cetera. But usually, you know, they like to say three to four inches for walking, maybe six inches for a snowmobile or an ATV, uh, 12 inches for like a small pickup truck, and, and maybe a foot and a half or two feet for a large truck. And and there's such a difference in ice, though. I mean, first ice and, you know, mid, mid-winter mid ice, that's, that's solid ice. It's clear, it's solid, it's hard. And... uh but as you start getting uh, later into March, like when you were up here ice fishing with me, crappies, you remember that? Oh, sure. It was beautiful out. I mean, it's 65 degrees, but we still had two oh. feet of ice under us. And uh, you could probably we were be able g-
1: Hey, we were catching giant black crappie through the ice, and, <laughs> and it was it was just a wonderful day. And we heard something flap, flap, flap behind us. A bald Eagle coming yeah. in there and trying to grab our fish <laughs> right on top of it. It was a, it was a magnificent day. It was great.
11: Oh, it was beautiful but you know again now see that was that's that's getting to be late ice there at the end of March or whatever and uh while the ice is still good it really helps uh, like a lot of fishing guides are they're on the ice every day they know the conditions so so ice can change rapidly and if you're if you're out there uh, fishing at first ice, when, when when the ice comes augering, when the auger uh, ice comes out of the hole that you've been augering, it's usually finer. But later on in the year, it starts uh, getting bigger chunks coming out of your hole, and and uh, uh, followed by some smaller smaller chunks. That's still probably pretty good ice. But when you've got nothing but big chunks coming out, it's it's uh, you know it's probably time to call it a day. And, okay. um Yeah that's 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 kind of the way it is you know i was i was looking up uh, the other day somebody had asked me this question about how many people drown there's about five people every year approximately four to five people every year drown uh ice fishing or i shouldn't say ice fishing on the ice every year cuz you can you can you can skate you can uh walk you can do it. you know it's not always just fishing sure and uh, yeah. uh uh but there's about 5 people every year that drowned in Minnesota uh falling through the ice. So that's that's really i mean that's not a lot, you know, there's probably no. more people that that die in boating accidents. Absolutely. By, you
1: know but a good
11: stretch.
1: 5 is a tragedy, but I'm surprised that's a surprisingly low number um for as many people cuz when I, when I'm up there with you I see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people out on the ice fishing. It's a very popular thing to do in the wintertime in Minnesota. So that's a low number. That's good. Early in the year like this when it's new ice and we're not real sure about it, are there some things we should carry with us just in case we get in trouble out there that can help us out?
11: Yeah, you know, it's, it's wise to wear like a float coat. We, you know, a lot of guys up here have float coats, like a built in life vest into your jacket, but you can also use just a regular, regular uh, life vest. And, um, I mean, it just never hurts this time of the year. And, of course, you, a lot of guys have ice picks. Now, when we were kids, we would just put a couple nails in our pocket, in our jacket pocket. So if you did fall through, you'd grab the nails and that. Can help you get out of the ice, and of course, the best thing to do if you do fall in and you and 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 you get some picks and you you get out of the ice, but then you stay on your stomach and you you spread your weight out until you get away from the bad ice. But uh, um, yeah, you don't want to just stand up right away.
5: Sure, and uh, go back in again.
11: Uh, right, right, and I've fallen through a couple times, but I I've been prepared when I fell through because you know, Rating Lakes, 220,000 acres, and there's all kinds of good spots that you want to check <laughs> before, oh, oh, before you oh. take any customers there. But, uh, yeah, those were in, back in the experimenting days. And, uh, and you know, you never – and, of course, situations like that, you never go alone. You always want to be with somebody. You don't want to be standing right next to each other when you're just testing and, and early ice, you know. And somebody sure. should have – it never hurts to have a – like on the, the picks you get nowadays, they have like a rope or a twine on them that you could toss to somebody if if they'd fallen in. So, I, I mean, it, yeah. well, you know, we're talking very extreme. I mean, this, this isn't – sure. they're just safeguards. That's all.
1: You bet. Bottom line, if you're headed for uh, some northern water, hard water this time of year, go with someone that's experienced. If you're like me, you're from Texas, you've never seen anything bigger than a pond ice over down here, uh, go with somebody that like Woody that knows what they're doing up there, a good friend uh, that lives up there, fishes up there, is out on that stuff all the time. Go in pairs, be prepared, and don't take chances. If you if you yeah. have a question about it, don't step on it, right?
5: Right, right.
11: And if your guide tells you to go first, don't trust him. <laughs>
1: uh, Woody, what's up yeah. with your Vikings? What's going on with your Vikings this year?
11: Well, the Vikings know that all you need is three points to win. That's it.
1: <laughs>
11: <laughs> hey, always a
1: pleasure to talk with you. I, I look forward to getting back up there fishing with you again, my friend.
11: Okay, I look forward to seeing you again, Bill. Bye bye. <laughs>
0: Welcome to Kinder Outdoors.
1: Hey, this corner of the old camp house here at Kinder Outdoors is brought to you by my good friends, longtime friends at Purina Pro Plan. We became friends because of the greatest bird dog fuel on planet Earth Pro Plan Performance in the purple sport bag. I needed the very best for my hardworking bird dogs, and my friends at Pro Plan had it. You'll love it, too. Give it a try. Pick it up at Atwoods Ranch and Home Stores. Hey, I had a conversation with my taxidermist and dear friend, Roy Holdridge, at True Life Taxidermy in Granbury, Texas, about posing up. (laughs) How do you go about choosing a pose for that taxidermy, that mount? That memory, Roy. um, Every time I come and see you, or every time I go to your website and and take a look at uh, at your examples on there, I get a new idea about what I want to do with a with a mount. But my rule of thumb is uh, I have that deer mounted, or that fallow, or whatever I'm bringing to you. uh, I'm having them mounted uh, in the same. Stance or same look that they had when I pulled the trigger or let my arrow fly on that animal. And that way, as uh, time goes on, I can look up at the wall and I can can see that mount, and I really enjoy sitting and looking and rethinking the hunt, and I can remember every little detail, and there he is looking at me just like he was uh, when I pulled the trigger. That's just my method. What What's some criteria that maybe we should think about when we get ready to pose our our critter for taxidermy, when we tell you how we want it mounted?
8: Well, it's a whole lot easier when you don't have a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's easier to find a place. But deciding where you're going to put that has a lot to do with it. Because if you was going to have it in a corner, you don't want him turned and looked over in a corner. You want him to be looking in there, looking at you, you know, in, in a room. And so... The more of them you get, then the more specific, you know, you would have to think about, you know, which way to mount it one way or another.
1: Yeah, and that is something uh, size-wise that you have to really look at, too. How much space do you have there? Because there's a big difference in, say, a wall ped, a wall pedestal mount, or uh, just just a shoulder mount.
8: Yes, and you know, ceiling height also if you get a big old elk and you don't have about eight foot ceilings, you don't want it up right mount obviously. Yeah. Because it's gonna to be too tall for your for your ceiling height. And so, you know, that that all of that factors in to where you're gonna put that. You know what? If I shoot an elk that's uh, going to knock the ceiling
1: out of my eight-foot house, I'm going to buy a bigger house. There you go. He's going up on the wall. That's a great memory. Um, You do full-body mounts. You do everything uh, known to man in the taxidermy business, and you've won a lot of awards uh, doing that. Do you have a favorite at all, Uh, full-body mount? I know that takes a lot more time and energy and creativity. uh, Or uh, do you just still
8: really get into doing... A shoulder mount on a white tailed deer? No, I think that the, the large life size and probably the big cats, you know, excite me more than anything. But the real custom poses also. You know, anybody can, you know, just mount a shoulder mount, but not anybody can come up with one that's standing on his toes.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, You have a uh, you have a full size uh, elephant from the uh, from the neck up hanging in your gallery at True Life Taxidermy. Um, Have you ever done a
8: whole elephant, the whole big shebang? Uh, yes, one time. Good. Wow.
1: I've heard uh, before that it takes a while to eat an elephant. How about, how about to taxidermy an elephant? Does that take forever? It, it takes a long time. Yeah. Yes. What do you do
8: with a tough hide like an elephant hide when one comes in? We send them to the tannery and let them take care of them.
1: Okay, I would too. I'd send them to Roy and say, Roy, do whatever you, uh, you can with this. Um, when you're uh, hunting this fall, be, put, be putting some thought into your taxidermy uh, before you pull the trigger. Uh, might be a good time to think ahead and go to Roy's website and take a look at those examples because you've got hundreds and hundreds of examples of how we can mount our
8: deer, and it doesn't have to be just the same old thing again. Get a little creative. Yes, yes. And if you if you want something different, then when you come in and just tell us, hey, I've I've got all of this, and I want something really different, then we can think you up a good idea.
5: Yeah.
1: Have you ever had an old boy come in here with a really nice deer and say, Man, I wanted it this way, but my wife said, No, it's going to go in that corner, and we need to mount it the way she said? Yeah, sometimes that happens. I bet. <laughs> because when it comes to moving the furniture and arranging the lamps and all, that's not you and me, Roy. That's someone else. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so when you, take, uh, when you take taxidermy into your home, it is a compliment uh, to your home that's probably going to last longer than your furniture, your television, your appliance. Uh, I still have great memories of a deer hanging on the wall that's been up there for 20 years now, 20-plus years that Roy did for uh, my son, his first buck, years and years ago. And it still looks just it looks great.
8: Yeah, I, I believe that's been over 20 years, by yeah. a good bit, actually. Now, yeah, it has. You were you were in a
1: little bitty shop then. Now you have a big, huge uh, place for folks to come and see. Uh, if folks want to come on, uh, look at you online, and take a look at some possibilities how they might want to mount their animal, uh, where
8: do they go? Uh, we've got a website there, and it's it's org. Purina Pro Plan,
1: yes, I've used their Pro Plan Performance in a sp- Purple Sport Bag for years and years and years uh, because that is the absolute best fuel for a hard running, hard working dog. But they also have a formula for the less active dog, for older dogs or puppies or juveniles. Or maybe your dog has a special condition or need. Pro Plan can meet those needs. Pick up the formula that best suits your dog at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores.
6: Hi, I'm Walter Perry, and when I'm not into great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with
5: Kinder Outdoors.
1: I wish you could see the incredible pheasant mount that I got back from my buddy Roy Holdridge at True Life Taxidermy in Granbury, Texas. The amount of these pheasants in their native habitat is just phenomenal. I really try to preserve my memories from the field in a way that's worthy of spending the time and money on taxidermy. So when my son and I shot these two pheasants on the rise up in South Dakota, I tucked them away from the meat birds because I knew I wanted to send them to Roy. I also gathered up some of the corn stalks and dirt and stubble that we were hunting in. Roy took those raw products and recreated an unbelievable replica of our memory. In fact, you can see it at kinderoutdoors.com. Roy can do this for you, too. truelifetaxidermy.org. True Life Taxidermy, Granbury, Texas. If you ever stop just once in West Texas at the very unique Herdware Store and visit with the very unique Cecil Miskin, You'll make it a regular stop every time you pass by.
6: We are on U.S. 287, which is one of the oldest and most major U.S. highways still. We are 40 miles south and east of Amarillo. H-E-R-D, Herdware Store. We've got bison leather goods, vests, chaps, dusters, and bison hide coats, bison leather belts and wallets, bison leather shoes, art. We've got western artifacts. We've got native artifacts. The only way we can describe it is all things bison. If you're not interested in Bison, don't stop if you're interested in bison come on and plan on spending 15 minutes to two hours and enjoy yourself the only rule that we have in the store and we've had it for many years and we've only had one person ever break our rule
1: is if you're not having fun we're going to ask you to leave the most unique stop between the gulf and the pacific cecil miskin and the herdware store herdware.net
7: Since 2003, Bend and Knee International has answered the call to take the good news of Jesus Christ and the hope of the gospel to the Navajo Nation and the people of Siberia. Many have never heard the simple but magnificent message that Christ is God, who loves us so much that He died for our sins, defeated death, and rose again. The simple message of salvation brings the gift of eternal life, if we'll only believe it. I am Tom Watson. President of Bend Knee International. Learn more about Bend
1: Knee at org. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. If you offer goods or services to the outdoorsman or woman, Kinder Outdoors is the perfect place to spread the word. At Kinder Outdoors, we reach tens of thousands of hunters, anglers, and outdoors folks each week that would appreciate hearing about you. For more information, visit kinderoutdoors.com and click the Advertise button. Then, view our media kit outdoor gear and skills are in high demand right now, let us hear from you. Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations.
0: You've been working hard all week. Now it's time to go fishing. Come along with us at Kinder Outdoors.
1: Welcome back to the camphouse at Kinder Outdoors. Good to have you with us. Brought to you by Purina Pro Plan. 89% of the field trial champions across North America are fed Purina Pro Plan. That's a pretty strong fact. Pick up a bag for your champ at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Well, they had the inaugural auction at that brand new, fabulous Rock Island Auction Company last week. So just how good was that auction? I did a little wrap up with Joel Coander from Rock Island Auction Company. Joel Coander, I can't go two weeks without talking to you, so let's get her done. Welcome back.
4: <laughs> Thank you, sir. Welcome back, and, and good to see you this past weekend.
1: Yes, sir. We had a great time together, and uh, I had my own personal tour guide uh, for the very first ever mega auction uh, for the brand-new Bedford store for Rock Island Auction Company. Hey, congratulations. Hats off. Beautiful venue. Incredible guns in this first uh, auction and it turned out to be a heck of a weekend too
4: it did so we had um it, the grand, the grand total for the weekend was 26.7 million um can't thank everybody in us who, who, who come and made us feel welcome there in bedford just a a fantastic event we had you know a lot of familiar places but plenty of new clients as well um it was just it was just a, a wonderful exciting time uh and i think a lot of collectors are going to remember for for Many years to come.
1: You know, when people hear 26 million over three days of auction, they go, wow, that's that's got to be a world record. Well, that's not a world record. Uh, you guys sold some very, very rare stuff and some hard-to-come-by, one-of-a-kind uh, stuff, as well as uh, stuff that we all use as hunters, outdoorsmen, and for home protection every mm-hmm. single day, a variety of things. So did the 26 million... Figure did that meet expectations?
4: I think so. So it, it's hard to say from our previous auctions. You know, our record for for a single auction is thirty million. That was assisted somewhat by uh, like a single multi million dollar item. Uh, this auction not only had fewer items, but we didn't have items that were expected to go over a million dollars. So we got to twenty six point seven, but we did it the hard way um, with fewer items of uh, kind of greater quality and no just single you know, rock star in the sale that's you know, that's gonna beat uh seven figures. So it's twenty six, seven million but it's it's a darn good figure. We're we're very happy with that.
1: You bet. Let's talk about a couple of the stars of the show. Uh what brought the big money and uh and what kind of money did they
4: bring? Sure. Well no surprise there. We had a Winchester seventy three one of one thousand, you know, one of those holy grails of collecting and this is probably one of the top top three that we've ever seen. Like, it's just, it is in that good condition. Um, it is a great story behind it, too. Sold for 500, just about $529,000. Oh,
1: wow. And that's 1873, folks. Like Jimmy Stewart in the movie. Remember that? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, any idea true. where where that gun is going or, you know, is that, I guess, a private collection or something?
4: I would assume so. No, my hope is so this this was a gun that was ordered uh, – there's a man named Granville Stewart in Montana. He's known as Mr. Montana for his role in helping establish the state when it was just territory. He ordered two guns, one for himself, one for his brother. This one was his brother's. We sold his, I believe, a year and a half ago. Um, so secretly, I hope that Granville Stewart and Thomas Stewart's Winchester 101,000s are together somewhere. I just have no way to confirm it.
1: Yeah. Wow. Hey, uh, if you had to just take a wild guess, what do you think Mr. Stewart paid for those guns new back in the late 1800s?
4: Uh, so he ordered them once, and he wasn't happy with them. He sent them back to Winchester because he's like, you did not follow my instructions, so here you go. And he got the second ones back, and he was, he was thrilled with them. Um, I believe 101, 000, so a 101,000, so typical typical wannabe be $60, bucks, depending on the level of the trim, et cetera, <laughs> you can get with it, between between 80 and and $100 a piece.
1: <laughs> I'll take a truckload at that price. That would be great.
4: Yes, yes, okay, sir.
1: Winchester 73. How, uh, any others that really uh, shine?
4: So uh, we had a Colt Walker, of course, and, you know, another piece of firearms collecting royalty. This was C Company number 12. Uh, C Companies are the most desirable because that was Walker's own company. Uh, number twelve, of course, C Company shipped first out of the Colt. So this is one of the first Colts ever shipped under the name of Colt ever, ever. Um, and frankly, it was it was for a Walker. So you know it saw combat, and for a Walker, it was in just outstanding condition. That brought four hundred and seventy thousand dollars that weekend.
5: Wow,
1: just wild. <laughs> it's it's just a whole different world from the the layman. You know, I bought a box of bullets yesterday at Bass Pro Shop, and I and I looked around behind the counter there, always peruse it and see what's going on back there. Always. Different world. You deal in a different world, Joel. Uh, hey, before I let you go, um, tell me about the Texas, uh, the historic Texas stuff. We had some Ranger pistols, guns in there. Uh, did they do well?
4: Yeah, and Frank. Um, let's see, the Frank Hamer, his first revolver brought a great price, some of the The lesser known that uh, also exceeded expectations. We had had a couple guns from uh, Solo Lobo. Uh, His guns brought you know exceeded their high estimate by quite a good deal. All the items that we had from the Sheriff of Henderson County, Jeff Sweeten, those did extremely well. So uh, Texas collectors showed up and, and made sure they brought some of their own history home to their safes.
1: There you go. Very good. Well, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait until the next big one. Uh, here in Texas, any idea when that'll be?
4: Yes, sir. You know, we have a couple little um, online ones before that, but the next time I'll be able to see you February 16th through 18th right there in Bedford. Right
1: around the corner. Hey, have a Merry Christmas, a wonderful new year. Look forward to seeing you uh, at that brand new, sparkling, shiny, new Rock Island auction company, Bedford, Texas.
4: We'll see you in February. Merry Christmas.
1: One of my old hunting buddies is Pete Delcas, a great bird dog guy, serves the quail community on the boards of the Quail Coalition and the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch. Pete, tell me, was there ever a Christmas when you were a kid that brought with it something that made you feel like, yeah, I'm the man, I am the outdoorsman of the year? I, I tell you what, I do
6: remember one of my fondest Christmas gifts that I got. It was my uh, Daisy Red Ryder BB gun. Oh, yeah. I, I'm serious, and I, I remember getting that, and I could not wait to go outside and yeah. and shoot that thing. I got the whole, you know, all those little, uh, what was that, That's the Daisy... Uh, BBs, you know, in the yellow box, you oh, know, yeah. and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I vividly remember getting the Daisy Red Ryder BB gun. Yeah,
1: you know, I remember I used to uh, save my money for my BB gun, and I'd go buy the little tube of BBs, right. remember? You could get right. the little tube. But then for Christmas one year, someone gave me the big milk carton box.
6: Remember that? And you were just, it was it was big time right there. thousand rounds, yep. man. I tell you, my fondest memory with that Daisy Red Rider BB gun, I'll never forget the day. I'm the oldest of three boys, and I'll never forget the day that uh, I had my, my middle brother and I Randy we he got a daisy red rider BB gun next christmas okay cuz he was of the age where he was he was old enough to learn how to d- use that thing properly we took our youngest brother Jamie out in the backyard remember sears tough skins the oh, jeans yeah. Yeah. and this is we had w- worn those red riders out we had Jamie in the backyard running through the backyard with <laughs> those sears tough Tough skin's on. And we were shooting him. Yeah. I'm not
1: making that oh, up. Oh, no. No, it happened in Mineral Wells, Texas, yeah, too. Well,
6: the fun ended when we broke skin. Yeah. And that's
1: when Dad came out. And I think he broke that Daisy Red Rider yeah. over over my. Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> down it. Have you ever been out hunting on Christmas? Some of my favorite memories are actually hunting on Christmas Day. Have you ever been out away and and in the middle of nowhere maybe in a good snowy spot at Christmas time?
6: Well, you know, growing up in the Midwest, in the St. Louis area, I remember Christmas uh, going on like afternoon and evening. It was never Christmas morning. As a kid, it was always Christmas afternoon. We'd go out, you know, late afternoon for ducks or geese. And I remember that and of course there were plenty of those that in my mind were were snowy and uh, certainly cold and successful even in some of them. So, and then, I tell you what I also remember on Christmas was going out with my dad and uh, I, I remember rabbit hunting and the occasional what I always loved wasn't so much the rabbits but the occasional covey of just a couple quail yeah. that you'd find in southern Illinois right. and I I vividly remember that too so some some very good Christmas memories.
1: You know what it's a really good thing that you remember those quails because that is a, <laughs> that that's a time stamp on American history there, there are none there now oh, and my. may never be again. In beautiful Oakawville, Illinois. From the deck of your private cabin overlooking the confluence of the famous White and Norfolk Rivers at Norfolk Resort Trout Dock, you can see crystal clear running waters that hold one of the world's greatest populations of rainbow and brown trout. In fact, this is the home of world record trout. You might be distracted though by the beautiful rolling Ozark Mountains that hold you during your stay. Just up the road a few miles is incredible bass fishing for largemouth, smallmouth and spots. You'll find the best guides in the business at Norfolk Resort, and your boat is just a short walk from your cabin. Your guide will find a gravel shoal perfect for preparing a hot shore lunch with fresh-caught trout and all the trimmings. You'll think about a nap after lunch, but there's more fish to catch and river to explore before retiring to your fully furnished riverside hideaway. Sound good? Of course it does. Norfolk Resort Trout Dock in Norfolk, Arkansas. If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky, oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom. So your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. Cajunfriar.com.
12: Somewhere over this horizon sit a million little dictators eager to purge humanity of its hunting instincts. Contrived emotions flood from their air-conditioned, glass-paneled, Wi-Fi-enabled habitats over the mountains and out into the wild from which they hate to admit they emerged. Their foolish quest to force nature to fit their feelings threatens the survival of every living thing on our planet. If their fever tantrums are ever imposed, the earth will be ruled by the deadliest combination in the natural world. Human ignorance and human arrogance. Travel another path, the truest path, nature's path. Trust the hunter. In your blood.
0: I hope that new gun you get for your birthday makes you as happy as the one you got for Christmas. Hey, don't forget Columbus Day, National Hunting and Fishing Day. Independence Day. Every day is Range Day at Kinder Outdoors.
1: In fact, we've got a little patio on the back side of the barn that sits up a little bit higher than our archery, and 22 targets down below. Step outside and go plink a little anytime you want to. <laughs> this corner of the camphouse is brought to you by my friends Joe and Ann Kirchoval and their absolutely gorgeous Joshua Creek Ranch. Uh, they sell memberships now. Uh, which will make it a little easier for you to visit more often. Uh, visit Joshua Creek Ranch. Corporate, family, and individual sporting memberships at the best bird hunting in Texas, Joshua Creek Ranch. Learn more about them at kinderoutdoors.com. Larry, why soon? Mr. Whitetail. Larry, I have an email here from Dr. John Bathke in Minnesota. He saw you on TV lining up a right handed shot, but the next camera
9: shot showed you with your right eye closed, indicating that your left eye dominant. Did you follow that? (laughs) I did. I I did. You know, it's a very interesting thing. I I shoot left-handed, right-handed. I'm right-eye dominant. But when I shoot a pistol, I always use my left eye. I learned a long time ago that with, with bringing the pistol up, trying to look for the sights, and a lot of times I shoot in the scope. What I was doing, if I was shooting with my right eye as a dominant eye, I was continually searching. And one day I just happened to put my chin against my shoulder and closed both eyes and opened my left eye, and guess what? My left eye was lined up perfectly with the sights on that pistol and with the scope on that pistol. So ever since then, I've been shooting that way. To where I am shooting with my left eye whenever I shoot a pistol. It just—if you ever try it—just grab a pistol. Don't shoot with your arm straight out because you always want your elbows bent a little bit, particularly on a hunting pistol because of the recoil. But if you'll do that and then take the point of your chin and put it right up against where your biceps come in to your shoulder, put it down, put your head kind of pointed down toward the ground a little bit. Close both eyes and then open your left eye. Now, if you're, if you're left eye dominant and you're shooting, just do the opposite. Just do the same thing but then open the right eye. And almost every time when you do that, your eye is going to be lined up perfectly with that scope or with that set of sights. Now, if you're doing uh, personal defense, you want both eyes open, obviously. But from a hunting situation, it's amazing. It also helps to give a little bit more support, uh, another rest, so you take another variable out of making that shot
1: tell you what, I have never, I don't know how many shots I've watched you take, and I have never picked up on that. Dr. Bathke, you were right on the money there. I, I, I had a question about uh, whether he had this right or not when he sent it in, but he was right on the money. I've heard you say in our conversation, you were saying uh, that you are right eye dominant until you close your right eye, and then your left eye dominant. That's
9: exactly <laughs> right. I've had so many people say, aren't you right eye dominant? I said, absolutely, but when my right eye is closed and open my left eye, my left eye is dominant. <laughs> so,
1: and, and you've learned, you've taught yourself to shoot with either hand a uh, rifle correct
9: I, I did when i was a youngster growing up in colorado county i was sitting on a deer stand using my dad's thirty thirty model 94 and a deer came into my right side and i came as far around to the right as i could and i couldn't get on the deer and it was simply because i couldn't come far enough around to the right against that tree that I was sitting against. So immediately when the hunt was over, I went back to the house, got my 22 single shot, and I taught myself how to shoot left-handed. And so as a result of that, I could swing all the way around to that right side, and if it had been the other way, I'd just swung around to the right, you know, to the left side. So I, I generally encourage people to try to learn to shoot both left and right-handed, because there are situations that you get into where you're not going to be able to come around far enough to the right if you're right-handed, or far enough to the left if you're left-handed. So if you've got that opportunity, and again, it's the same Way, if you've got a right eye dominance, you know, it's, and and I'm not telling you shoot with both eyes, you know, one eye closed, but if you do, if you close that right eye, it's amazing how well you can see out of that left eye.
1: <laughs> you know, that's something else. And when you go to the range and you've uh, got your rifle sighted in for deer season or whatever, you've still got that box of cartridges sitting there, take a few shots with the opposite eye. That only makes sense because we get pinned, especially, uh, you know, when we're not in a blind or not concealed and can't move around. That can come in real handy like it did for you.
9: It, it does. The only thing I would recommend, you know, these days we say here so much about long-range shooting. And uh, it's to me, I'm not a big proponent of those. Long range shots. I teach myself how to do it, but one of the things that we did learn, and this was uh, I spent a lot of time on the FTW ranch, and, and I missed a shot in Kyrgyzstan if they have to watch my show shooting left handed at a, at a uh, because the only way that I could shoot it in Ibex was a little about 800 yards away. And I was lamenting this fact one night sitting around campfire with the Navy SEALs, and they said, You shot over them, didn't you? And I go, Absolutely. And they said, Anytime you switch on those long range shots, from left to right, compared to what you normally do, there's a tendency for you to always shoot a little bit high. So, you know, you might, if you're getting into the long-range shooting, and you get in one of those situations, you might want to go out to the range and practice those long-range shots from the left and right, and see if there's any difference as far as you're concerned. By if you're right-handed and then switch to left, shooting high, or vice versa.
1: You think we ought to believe what those seals have to say? You think they know something about
9: that long-range shot, Larry? I'll tell you what, I'd I have the opportunity to spend a little time with those guys. Yes, we need to believe everything that they tell you.
1: <laughs> Joshua Creek Ranch, Bernie, Texas, about 45 minutes northwest of San Antonio, now featuring, here are the two key words, listen closely, high-volume European-style driven pheasant hunts, pheasant shoots. You and your buddies... Your family, your corporate group are going to get together and have the time of your life. You'll see more than 1,000 pheasants before your eyes and shotgun each and every day. A phenomenal shooting opportunity followed by great food, spectacular lodging, and hosting that's unmatched. Book a little time at Joshua Creek Ranch. Learn more at KinderOutdoors.com. Ray Sasser was the outdoor writer for the Dallas Morning News for 30 years he had a fond Christmas memory,
7: yeah, I got lots of lots of memories like that, bill, I sure do i you know the the thing that comes to mind the thing that really comes to my mind it was a neat trip that my wife and son and I did and and everybody can remember this date because it was y two k and we I think we left home right after Christmas, and we went down to we went down to South Texas and hung out with with my good friend Fred Bryant down there at Caesar Clayburg Institute, and he yeah. took us down to this wonderful hunting ranch in South Texas, and where the, where Emily first saw a bird dog point quail, and uh, uh, of course she had, she was just starting to shoot a shotgun, and we tried to get her, you know, and boy, yeah. well, those quail were flying pretty fast. That's I'll never forget that we we were sitting around eating lunch, and people kept talking about this buzz going on, that uh, that the the Mexican uh, army was staging on the other side of the Rio Grande to to invade Texas on huh. New, on New huh. Year's Day and I, I I thought you know I'm pretty sure our government would know that if it was really going on <laughs> right. I mean I mean we're not you know we're not all the best on on some of that stuff but I think we'd figure that one out yeah well, so we left so we left there we left that South Texas hunt and then we went to my friend Bill Carr's ranch at, in Kerr County which is just a be- beautiful just a beautiful place yeah. we were the only ones on the on a three thousand acre ranch and you know with a half fence all around us and we were going to be there for for New Year's Day, for basically for Y2K. And as we were as we were driving into the ranch, the ranch we met the ranch manager on his way home. You know he was he was leaving for the holidays, and he wouldn't he wouldn't even come back to the ranch. And he said he said I just wanted y'all to know that there's this rumor going out. It, apparently there was lots of rumors that year. Yeah. He said I just wanted y'all to know that there's a rumor going around that the skinheads are coming to Kerrville and they're going to blow up the water treatment plant, the water plant, <laughs> oh, oh. Walmart. And then they're going to commit suicide at Stonehenge, and Stone the, the Stonehenge replica <laughs> was where you turned off to go to the ranch. And I'm thinking, okay, well, how does that how, how does that impact us? You right. know. <laughs> so anyway, the the bottom line is we spent the next several days uh, in a in a wonderful place uh, hunting the way people used to do. And I, I remember the whole buzz about Y2K was that the computers were going to fail when it turned over to, yep. you know, because they couldn't do that. Everything's going to shut down. And I'm thinking, man, I hope everything shuts down because because nice. then I'll just be stuck in this beautiful place for until somebody comes to kick <laughs> until somebody comes to kick me out. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. But we had a great time anyway.
1: I was in the same boat. Robin and Troy and I were out in, at at uh, at our place near uh, Lubbock. The three of us hunting, and I thought, man, I hope everything shuts down because I just won't, I'll save the gas money home.
7: Just save the gas money home. Here we are, Ray, back at work. Back at work, exactly.
1: We lost Ray a few years ago, but some of my fondest memories with this radio show are the days that I would spend at Ray's house or in a turkey hunting camp somewhere or on a boat at Lake Aquila, just listening to Ray reminisce about things he had written or experienced before. We miss him, and we're truly blessed. Thank you, Lord, that we have Ray on tape. Let's grab a cup of coffee.
2: Hi, I'm Jim Shockey, and it's time once again to invite you to our annual Jim Shockey Classic two-day charity event where we all get together to celebrate and honor those who have served and sacrificed. All of us deeply admire the invaluable sacrifices made by our military personnel. 100% of the proceeds fund all expense paid Shockey tribute hunts through the Freedom Hunters Military Outreach Program. In addition to the golf tournament, there will be a sporting clay tournament on Sunday morning before the banquet. So join me April 14th and 15th 2024 at the award-winning Barnsley Resort in Eatersville, Georgia, nestled in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. Visit jimshockeyclassic.com to sponsor, to register, or to donate, and also to learn more about our great event. I really hope to see you there.
1: When you drop your wild game off at Cinnamon Creek Ranch Wild Game Processing, go ahead, order up your ground meat and breakfast sausage. But don't stop there. We
8: worked on a taco meat for three years to where women and kids would eat it, and a chili that we make now where you just take these things home and just throw them in a crock pot or fry them in a pan and they're ready to go. Our tamales are probably hands down to anyone's. They're double meat and, you know, masa and they're simple and they're and they're we just can't make them fast enough they're fully cooked all you got to do is poke two or three holes in the bag that we give them to you in and throw them in the microwave for three and a half minutes aside, and it's like we just pulled them out of our steamer the day we made them
1: these items have become staples in our home robin's favorite is the taco meat i'm partial to the tamales and what a feast when we put it all together for friends and family Cinnamon Creek Wild Game Processing, just north of Fort Worth, about a mile from Cabela's as the crow flies, cinnamoncreekranch.com. Weatherford Truck Equipment has been supplying premium truck accessories and equipment since 1997. Chip Knees and the crew at Weatherford Truck Equipment are pros that can totally equip your farm, work, or town truck to totally suit your needs. Flat beds, grill guards, bumpers, bed covers, toolboxes, hitches, running boards, or any custom fabrication that you can scheme up for your truck. Weatherford Truck Equipment is located at 2620 Ranger Highway in Weatherford, Texas, just 20 minutes west of Fort Worth. Visit online at weatherfordtruck.com and take a look at the exceptional quality in our truck accessories and customized metal fabrication, ranch truck, service truck, special purpose truck, it's all at Weatherford Truck Equipment. Contact Chip and set up an appointment to talk over your truck accessory or custom fabrication needs. Weatherford Truck Equipment, 2620 Ranger Highway in Weatherford. Dove hunting in Argentina is well documented, but as my friends at J.J. Caseria, Cordoba Doves will tell you, the duck hunting is unmatched anywhere in the world. Lane Balky is the U.S. representative for J.J. Casoria.
9: The duck lodge uh, is in Corrientes. We shoot 30 ducks in the morning and 10 Purdy's in the afternoon. We have 11 different species of ducks. We have a duck season from the 15th of April to the 31st of August.
1: You are assured before you ever leave American soil that you're going to feel welcome and at home when you hunt with your new friends at J.J.
0: Caseria.
9: Our lodge is beautiful. It's four years old. It has 10 double bedrooms, all with private baths, all heated and air-conditioned. Uh, It's very comfortable. We don't put on air,
4: so you'll feel as relaxed in the lodge as you do in your living room.
1: Hunt world-class doves and ducks in Argentina. Plan next year now by visiting com.
10: My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caceria. Can see me in Argentina.
0: Have you ever noticed that Jesus selected fishermen to follow him? Just saying. Welcome to our boat at Kinder Outdoors.
1: Hey, welcome back to Kinder Outdoors, brought to you by Five Star. I'm talking about Joshua Creek Ranch, the best bird hunting in Texas. But listen, you can hunt there year-round. In the summer months, that's prime time for axis deer. This is a low-fence Texas hill country ranch and a naturally occurring herd of Axis deer that love to hang around Joshua Creek. It's a challenging hunt, delicious meat, and a beautiful trophy. Look into an Axis deer hunt with my friends Joe and Dan Kerchival and their gorgeous Joshua Creek Ranch. Woody Woods is my friend on Rainy Lake, Minnesota. He is a freshwater fishing hall of famer and has spent his entire life on the water's frozen or not of rainy lake minnesota on the canadian border if you want to know how not to fall through the ice you call the hall of famer woody woods how you doing woody i'm
11: doing great big billy good to hear you <laughs> tell me about minnesota what's going on are you guys all ice up up there yet well you know we got we got ice in a lot of the shallow bays uh the, the shallower water the deeper waters still giving out some heat. I mean, it's been an unusual year with this El Nino, so some of the deeper waters not froze over yet. Uh, but uh, you know, it's coming. It's just slow this year, and it's gonna it's gonna get here.
1: You told me before that you, there have been years where by Thanksgiving you guys are out walking on ice.
11: Oh yeah, and that used to be more. Uh, that's you know, that's the way it was normally and it is normally. Uh, but this year is just unusual. I mean, we're already halfway through December, just about. And, uh, yeah, you can walk out right now in some of the shallow bays, and there are some people doing that. You can walk out and fish because there's still weeds growing in uh, uh, some of those shallow bays. Uh, Pretty soon they'll be dead, though, but as the oxygen leaves from those weeds, then the fish move out into the deeper water. Gotcha,
1: yep. Hey, I have purposely never come up there to fish with you this time of year, because you once told me that you test the ice by sending the fat guy out first, and I don't want to be that guy.
11: So well, I he, stay
1: here. <laughs> I stay in Texas <laughs> until you guys have two or three foot of ice <laughs> up there.
11: That's a, you know, years ago, that's what I'd always tell people, you know, the golden rule ice fishing, send the fat guy first. But now I'm the fat guy, <laughs> so I have, to, I have to come up with something different. Yeah,
5: something <laughs> some,
11: Send the dumb guy out there. No, wait a minute.
5: I,
1: I fit that category too. I still can't come.
11: Send the so, best swimmer.
1: <laughs> tell me about ice thickness. When can you trust it with your feet? When can you trust it with your snowmobile? When can you trust it with your truck?
11: Sure. Well, you know what what I what I would normally do when I was uh, a go getter. <laughs> First thing I do is walk out there with an axe or an ice chisel, and I I I'd. I'd, I'd uh, you know, try to try to bust through a little bit as I walk. But uh, the DNR, the Minnesota DNR, of course, you know we've got. Well, they say it's the land of ten thousand lakes, but there's probably more like twelve or thirteen thousand. Uh, 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 the DNR to cover their butt, more or less, always says the ice is never a hundred percent safe. So that's their stance because there's no way they can. There's no way they can uh, put a sign on every lake, on every access, et cetera. But usually, you know, they like to say three to four inches for walking, maybe six inches for a snowmobile or an ATV, uh, 12 inches for like a small pickup truck, and and maybe a foot and a half or two feet for a large truck. And, And there's such a difference in ice, though. I mean, First ice and, you know, mid-winter mid, mid winter ice, that's, that's solid ice. It's clear, it's solid, it's hard. And uh, But as you start getting uh, later into March, like when you were up here ice fishing with me, crappies, you remember that? How, sure. You know, it was beautiful out. I mean, it's 65 degrees, but we still had two oh. feet of ice under us. And uh, you could probably we were be catching, out there. G-
1: hey, we were catching giant black crappie through the ice and And it was it was just a wonderful day, and we heard something flap flap, flap behind us bald eagle coming yeah. in there and trying to grab our fish right on top of it it was a It was a magnificent day, it was great,
11: yeah oh, it was beautiful, but you know again now see that was that's that's getting to be laid ice there at the end of March or whatever and uh while the ice is still good, it really helps uh, like a lot of fishing guides are they're on the ice every day, they know the conditions, so so ice can change rapidly, and if you're if you're out there uh, fishing at first ice, when, when when the ice comes augering when the auger uh, ice comes out of the hole that you've been augering, it's usually finer. But later on in the year, it starts uh, getting bigger chunks coming out of your hole, and and uh, uh, followed by some smaller smaller chunks. That's still probably pretty good ice. But when you've got nothing but big chunks coming out, it's it's uh, you know it's probably time to call it a day. And, okay. um, yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of the way it is. You know, I was, I was looking up, uh, the other day, somebody had asked me this question about how many people drowned. There's about five people every year, approximately four to five people every year drowned, uh, ice fishing, or I shouldn't say ice fishing on the ice every year, because you can, you can, you can skate, you can, uh, walk, you can do it. You know, it's not always just fishing. Sure. And uh, yeah. uh uh but there's about five people every year that drowned in Minnesota uh falling through the ice. So that's that's really, I mean, that's not a lot. You know, there's probably no. more people that, that die in boating accidents. probably Absolutely. By, you know. by, by a good stretch.
1: Five is a tragedy, but I'm surprised. That's a surprisingly low number um for as many people because when I when I'm up there with you I see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people out on the ice fishing. It's a very popular thing to do in the wintertime in Minnesota. So that's a low number. That's good. Early in the year like this when it's new ice and we're not real sure about it, are there some things we should carry with us just in case we get in trouble out there that can help us out?
11: Yeah, you know, it's, it's wise to wear like a float coat. We, you know, a lot of guys up here have float coats, like a built-in life vest into your jacket, but you can also use just a regular, regular uh, life vest. And, um, I mean, it just never hurts this time of the year. And, of course, you, a lot of guys have ice picks. Now, when we were kids, we would just put a couple nails in our pocket, in our jacket pocket. So, if you did fall through, you'd grab the nails and that can help you get out of the ice. And of course, the best thing to do if you do fall in and you, and, 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 and you get some picks and you, you get out of the ice, but then you stay on your stomach and you, you spread your weight out until you get away from the bad ice. But, um, uh, yeah, you don't want to just stand up right away Sure. and uh, go back
5: in again,
11: uh, right? Right. And I've fallen through a couple of times, but I, I've been prepared when I fell through because, you know, Rating Lake's 220,000 acres and there's all kinds of good spots that you want to check <laughs> before, oh. before you take any customers there. But uh, yeah, those were in, back in the experimenting days. And, uh, and, you know, you never, and of course, situations like that, you never go alone. You always want to be with somebody. You don't want to be standing right next to each other when you're just testing and, and early ice, you know, and somebody sure. should have – it never hurts to have a – like on the, the picks you get nowadays, they have like a rope or a twine on them that you could toss to somebody if, if they had fallen in. So, I, I mean, it, yeah. you know, we're talking very extreme. I mean, this, this isn't – sure. they're just safeguards. That's all.
1: You bet. Bottom line, if you're headed for uh, some northern water, hard water this time of year, go with someone that's experienced. If you're like me, you're from Texas. You've never seen anything bigger than a pond ice over down here. Uh, Go with somebody like Woody that knows what they're doing up there, a good friend uh, that lives up there, fishes up there, is out on that stuff all the time. Go in pairs, be prepared, and don't take chances. If you you have a question about it, don't step on it, right?
11: Right, right. And if your guide tells you to go first, don't trust him.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Woody! What's up yeah. with your Vikings? What's going on with your Vikings this year?
11: Well, the Vikings know that all you need is three points to win. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, always a pleasure to talk with you. I look forward to getting back up there fishing with you again, my friend. Okay, I look forward to seeing you again, Bill. Bye-bye.
1: I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the time we've had together in this camp house today. Merry Christmas to you. Come and see us next time around. Till then, may God bless you
5: and your bunch.